Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. How many of you rode the bus when you were growing up? Anybody? You, you remember the bus, right? I think nowadays, especially in Katy, everybody's spoiled. I can say that because I didn't grow up here. Anyways, but most, most people get dropped off by their parents now. But back when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago, by the way. Don't be judging how old I am. I'm like 21. But when I was growing up, everybody rode the bus. It was the cool thing to do, right? You didn't ride with your mom. Who does that? No. Even if you did get to sleep in an extra hour. You rode the bus because that's where all the cool people were, i.e. me, right? I'm just kidding. The bus was awesome. So now, I was thinking about this today. Um, I don't know how this came to my mind, but, um, oh, I do know where I was. I was driving out of my neighborhood, and the bus passed me, which is weird, but I don't see that normally. And so when it passed me, you know how those moments in life where something happens, and all of a sudden memories just start flashing? So that's what happened. When the bus passed me, I just started having flashbacks of when I was elementary. And I remember this one traumatic moment that I had on the bus. Um, I, I think I was in maybe third or fourth grade. I had a cool friend down the street, an older neighbor. He was in fifth grade, so he was the cool kid. So he sat in seat 12. I was sitting in seat four, right, because I was just a little guy. And for whatever reason, we had this idea, hey, we can't talk through the bus because it's so far. Let's stick our heads out the window and talk through the outside, right? Like that just made direct line of communication. This makes great sense. And so we stick our heads out the window and I'm looking like this and he's looking like that and we're talking. And then all of a sudden he goes, whoop, and he pulls his head in. I'm like, whatever, dude, this is awesome. Like a little dog looking the wind, this is great. And so I kept my head out there. Well, a couple minutes later, I pull in, and what I didn't realize was that the bus driver was trying to grab our attention the entire time that our heads were out the window, right? Good bus driver. And because he couldn't get my attention, because I refused to bring my head in, even though my buddy was smart enough to bring his in, I got what I never thought I would ever receive, and that was... A note home from the bus driver. I think it had a name, but I don't remember what the name was. But I got the paper. Papers were served to me on the bus, and I had to walk home crying inside, because I'm a man and I don't cry outside, crying inside, walking into my house to share with my mom, who I was certain was going to kill me, that I had stuck my head outside of the window, and as I was walking into my house, I began to think, why did I do that? And I could not answer the question. It just seemed like a good thing to do at the time. But when I think back, I go, mom always told me you never stick your head out the window. That's not new information, but something happened in that moment. I got excited. I got focused on something. I don't know what, seeing my friend out the window, somehow that day was special. And I got locked in and I found myself in a world of trouble because I wasn't paying attention. And what we're trying to do in this series and particularly what I wanna do for you tonight is I want to lay some things in front of you to help just get your attention. I want you to be warned, I want you to be informed, and I want you to be ready for the day when you stand at the altar and say, I do to someone. For some of you, it may come soon, some of you, it may be later, but I want you to be as ready as you can. I don't want you to be like me with my head out the window, just not having a clue what's going on, locked into something, right? Maybe you're locked into her because she's hot, or he's really cute, or he opens the door for old ladies, or whatever it is, and you're just locked in that you're missing the whole big picture that's happening right in front of you. And I definitely don't want you to get served papers. And that's real. 
Because that's what happens to half of the marriages these days. And so my hope is that I would just grab your attention and encourage you and challenge you. And tonight, we're gonna talk about marriage. And some of you may go, this is weird. We're all single in here. Almost all of us, we're single. Why are you gonna talk about marriage? Go back to the sex talk. No, none of you are thinking about that. Some of you, I, I got all the comments. They were like, man, that was great. But it was so awkward. Like I kept just moving in my chair because I didn't know how to respond to what you were saying. Good, I hope you liked it. You're welcome. I've been warning you for five weeks it was gonna be uncensored. It finally came last week. By the way, I forgot, I had to deal with something. Last week I messed up. Last week, how many of you know what I messed up on last week, anybody? Yeah, yeah, so last week, I had a lot to say, all right, so get over it, okay? You you get to sit in the chair and critique me all night long, all right? I had a lot to cover, and I made the mistake of saying that you shouldn't have same-sex roommates. And I don't know why I said that. In fact, well, I know why, because for some reason I wrote that in my notes. So if it's in my notes, it's it's like the gold stamp. Like, I don't have to worry about if it's there. I can trust it. Well, I I failed myself, all right? And so um, if you broke up with your same-sex roommate, Last week, and you're living on your own, and you are barely making it. I'm really sorry. It was just a mistake, all right? Um, What I was trying to articulate was that having co-ed roommates, though it is not a sin, and let me take a moment to say this again. It's not a sin, but, but it does open up the door for some confusion for people that might know you, and it does open the door for some temptation, whether you believe it could be or not. So that's what I was trying to articulate, but I got excited, fired up, and and no one stopped me, but apparently that's how it works. But I think it is important that we get those things corrected. So there's that. Let's table last week and let's, let's move on into a new day. Um, this has been really exciting though. Uh, it's a really long intro. It's going to be a really long night. You'll be fine. Get over it. You get two weeks off to rest, okay? It's been awesome though. I have had people break up. You don't have to cheer. It's okay. I know who you are. I've had people start dating. We even had someone get engaged last week. How about that? So, let me just tell you, if you are wondering why you're here, because good things are happening. Even if you broke up, it's a good thing. You're welcome. Congratulations. Have a party because you are heading in the right path, all right? If you're new here, I apologize, but this is just how it is, all right? Now, let's begin because I'm already running out of time. Tonight, we're going to talk about till death do us part. There's two things I want to accomplish. One, I'm going to share with you one of the handful of marriage passages that are in the scriptures, and I'm going to walk you through as we look at really the established or the creation of marriage, okay? So we're going to spend some time there, and then we're going to transition into one small topic that is is probably the most important thing we'll cover in this aspect. That's what tonight's going to look like. So let's begin. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Really easy to find, it's at the very front of the book. If you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the screen. If you're single, look off someone next to you. It might help you, I don't know, you're welcome. Here's the main thought for tonight, and this is important. Marriage isn't just a season, it's an extension of God's purpose for your life. Marriage isn't just a season, it's an extension of God's purpose for your life. When you get married to someone, when that day comes, you are now partnering up with someone, you are now stronger than you were before, and it is all part of God's plan to bring two people together to accomplish the will that he has for now both their lives individually and now their lives together. So it's important we understand that. Marriage isn't something that you just go, well, you know, when the time's right someday in about, you know, 30 years after I've lived with my parents till I'm 60, then maybe I'll figure it out. No, 
It is something that God has ordained and God wants you to establish. Now, it doesn't mean if you're 18 or 20, you need to go do that tomorrow. That's not what we're saying. But I want it to be on your radar. I want it to be something that you're preparing for, that you're getting ready for, that you're looking forward to. Because what marriage does is takes you as an individual and gives you strength and gives you more tools to be able to accomplish what God has in store for you. So marriage is a good thing. And if you can follow the things we've been working through over these last few weeks, you might find yourself in a place where you go, you know what, I'm more ready than I thought I was. Some of you might find yourself and you go, I'm not quite as ready as I thought I was. Either way, this has been helpful because it's helping you to push down the path, to move down the track as we end into this great moment when you're going to stand at the altar across from somebody and you're going to say, I do, and everyone's going to cry, and it's going to be amazing. And for the girls, I just want to warn you, the wedding day is all about you. For the guys, the wedding night is all about you. But either way, it's a great day. All right, and so this is what we're looking for. This is what we're yearning for. This is what we are preparing for. Marriage isn't just a season. It's an extension of God's purpose for your life. Let's begin with this. I'm gonna give you uh, five points throughout tonight, really just to kind of center our thoughts as we move through this one passage throughout the evening. Here's the first point. We have a need. We have a need. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I got one praise God. That's okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I will make him a helper fit for him. Then all the ladies go, what? Verse 19. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Verse 20, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Okay, now let's pause. And let's understand this passage, because this is a beautiful set of scriptures when we understand what's happening. Let's look at a couple things. First, it uses the phrase, it is not good. It is very clear immediately in this passage that God's intention was that man would not be alone. Now, we talked earlier in our very first week that there will be a, a handful of people in a crowd this size, a very small number of people that will be called by God into a life of singleness. It's a very small number, and to those people, the Lord will confirm that. He will empower you with that, and you will not think twice about it. It will be the greatest gift to you because God's ordained you to do that. But for the majority of the people in this room, you will get married. And God's economy and God's design, it was created that man would not be alone. And by the way, for those people that do decide or feel like the Lord calls them to singleness, you're still not alone. Not only do you have the Lord, which all of us have, you also have your community, you have your church, you have your friends, you have your family, you have all these people, so you're never alone. But God took it one step further and said that I'm gonna create this incredible gift of husband and wife, man and woman, and I'm going to bring them together. And when God says it's not good, it doesn't mean that he made a mistake. It doesn't mean that he, oops, I forgot to create woman, I created everyone, it wasn't anything like that. What God was saying is, it's not finished yet. And until it's finished, it can't be good. Because God knew all along that which he was going to create. And then it begins to talk about the animals. And some people kind of argue that 
this is weird. It's talking about man shouldn't be alone. And then all of a sudden it says that Adam started to name the animals. That doesn't really make any sense. What does that mean? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, it shows us something really powerful. And that is that God gave Adam authority over God's creation. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty unthinkable. That the God Almighty of the universe, the creator of all things, would give that kind of naming power to a man to take that job. That's powerful. But here's the thing. Can you imagine what it was like when Adam is, the animals are just coming across two by two, two by two, two by two. You think eventually he started to figure out the math wasn't adding up for him, right? Do you think he started eventually, I don't know if it was immediately or if it was about halfway through. I don't know how long it took. My arms are getting tired. So hopefully it wasn't that much longer, right? And he's just, they're just going by and he's naming them and everyone, everyone, everyone had a set of two. Fascinating. And what I believe, and there's many people that agree with this, what I believe is that what God wanted to do was to show Adam that there was going to be someone for him too, but he wanted him to come to that realization for himself. It's very important to note, Adam was not lonely Because Adam had a relationship with the Lord, and on top of that, a relationship with the Lord that because of sin, you and I will never get to have that kind of closeness with him until we get to heaven. So Adam wasn't lonely, okay? So you got to be careful that we don't say, well, he was alone in the garden, and he was miserable, so he needed a woman. No, no, no. He had God Almighty. He ain't need no woman. But God said, I love you that much. I'm going to give you a woman to help enhance your life. That's when the gentlemen go, amen. Where's that woman right now? And you look around. Just kidding. I believe all along what God was doing was getting Adam to come to the realization that, hey, you know what? How cool would it be if there was someone for you? Can I tell you something? We talked a little bit about singleness, and it's come up many times in these talks. This is what your single life is about. We pursue the Lord. We get to know him. We understand him. We understand what he wants for our life. But at the same time as you're doing that, you go, man, how cool would it be to take all of that God has given me and then to bring someone else into that story? Wow, that would be amazing. Welcome to the purpose of singleness, to discover who you are with the Lord and then to see how he can enhance that through marriage. It's a beautiful thing. And so Adam's naming and naming and all of this. And then he begins to probably begins to realize, okay, something's happening here. I, this could be all, what if there, and I bet you as I just, I'm enhancing here for a minute. This may be wrong. I don't know. But as the line's going, can you imagine him just when he starts to kind of come to, I know how the guys are. You're kind of like, okay, here's another one. You look for the next, okay. And you're kind of looking down the line. Could there be, could, could there possibly be one for me? I don't know. I'm just going to stay faithful. But I'm could there be? Well, I mean, can you just imagine how it was unfolding in his mind? Now, that's not in the Bible. I'm just enhancing what could have been. Now, let's go back to this phrase, though, because this is where everyone begins to get a little shaky for the ladies, and I'm going to help you out here. It says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And in our culture, that may not come across very well, ladies, and I understand that. Because our culture, unfortunately, there's been a lot of men and, and females as well that have just done this wrong. And when they hear that phrase, they can't take a moment to figure out what God was trying to say. They just jump to the worst conclusions. And so when you hear that, you go, I'm no helper. I'm an independent woman. I can do this for myself. That's why I don't need no man. I'll stay single for the rest of my life because I don't need you. I don't need a helper. You need a helper, son. You need to help me, right? It, and this is what the world does. It starts jacking with our minds, and we get crazy. Can I show you something? This is beautiful. You might cry. I don't know. Watch this. The word helper 
okay? The original word here is the word ezer, which means, in the scriptures, specifically in the Old Testament, it is used in this reference, which means to save. To save. Now, pause for a minute. Think about it. What do you think he's saying? To save, to save, to save. What is she saving him? What is she saving him from? She's saving him from doing life and work, fulfilling his purpose alone. Oh my goodness. It's not a helper that you throw in the corner and pull out when you need her to do something for you. She's gonna enhance your life because now you don't have to do all this stuff alone. Can you imagine raising kids on your own? It would be tough. First of all, you wouldn't make kids on your own, okay? It's not possible, that's why, never mind. Another message for another day. Can you imagine? And then you're trying to fulfill your purpose. Listen, for me, I can tell you, life's tough, man. It, it, I know everyone's life's tough, right? I'm not saying I'm more tough than yours, but some days. All right, and, and life's hard. And to be able to call Sarah and say, hey, listen, I just need help. I need you to bring me coffee because I'm about to fall over. And I know I shouldn't need coffee, but I need coffee. And she comes and she brings coffee. And then she brings my daughter, little Kyla. And Kyla's like, Daddy. And all of a sudden, you're like, I can do anything. I can conquer the world. Why? Because I've been motivated. Why? Because I got people walking with me. What Eve saved Adam from in that moment, in the garden, while he was alone, looking at the job that was at hand, realizing what his life was going to be like, walking with the Lord and serving him, then he got the blessing to realize, I don't have to do that alone. I get it enhanced by having a woman Eve brought to me. And then it says, a helper fit for him. And that word fit is the root word neged, which means the opposite of. The opposite of. Whoa, that's good. Have you ever noticed when you're dating someone that opposites attract? Have you ever noticed that? Right? So if you're sitting next to one and you're exactly the same, here's what you need to know. If you get married, one of you is irrelevant, okay? <laughs> Opposites attract. I can always know how I did with something like that when I look at my sensitive people and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. And everyone's like, that makes total sense. That's good. <laughs> different world, different world. Listen, God has created it that you would be attracted to someone that's different from you. It is by his design. It is part of his perfect plan that you would what? Balance each other out. That what he brings to the table, she is often lacking. What she brings to the table, he is often lacking. But when they come together, all of a sudden, there's balance, there's order, there's more power because they get to work together. And God said, I have a helper fit for him. I have someone that's going to, one, save him from having to do all this by himself. But then she's going to help fill out anything that he might be lacking. And gentlemen, let me answer a question for you. Are you lacking? You betcha. And ladies, let me answer a question for you. Are you lacking? You betcha. And it's not because you're weaker or irrelevant or you're missing something in life that's most important. It's that God designs us to only feature some things. But man, when he teams you up with someone that can bring in the better parts of you and can help to fill where there's voids and holes, all of a sudden you begin to look so much stronger, so much more prepared, and you're able to handle so much more. What Sarah brings to our marriage is pretty much everything that's opposite of me. It's amazing. I'm mean, she's kind. I'm selfish, she's generous. I spend money like crazy, 
She doesn't spend anything. And when you take those two extremes, now I'm enhancing a little bit, but when you take those two extremes and you begin to push them together, what you see is that someone that, when we translate it, is actually not mean. He's just focused on getting whatever's in front of him done, and it comes across that he's mean. But then that good wife comes in and says, hey, hey, don't forget the people. Don't trample on the people as you move through that mission. And then we start talking about money. And I'm not allowed to go to Best Buy by myself. I don't know what happens. It's just something takes over and just, I'm not allowed to shop online either. There's a lot of things I'm not allowed to do when it comes to money. Why? Because she comes along and says, hey, look, I love you. Let, let me help you with this. We don't, we don't need that TV. Oh, we don't need that one either. No, I know that's a beautiful one, but we don't need that one either. You've got six at home. Don't worry, you're gonna be fine. And this balance takes place. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I'm having a little bit of fun, but I want you to see the true value here because this is a beautiful thing that God has created. You want to be attracted to someone that's different from you because they're gonna balance you out. But remember, when you get married one day and you're in this a couple years or maybe even in your first year and all of a sudden, those things that were once cute that balanced you out and you were like, oh my gosh, I love it because she's not like me. She does this and I do this. A day's gonna come when you get married, you're gonna realize now it's making me angry because she's not like me. Why can't she just see like I see? Why can't, and all of a sudden that, the opposites that once attracted, now they're attacking. When we remember though, that God ordained this, that the two opposites will come together to make each other better, we're able to overcome those natural human reactions and wanna get angry and frustrated with each other because we remember I need her or I need him because they're gonna balance me out in areas that God is needing me to be faithful in. Man, God has created this unbelievable picture. Then we move on to the next part, from a rib to a queen. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. So Adam discovers, really, he's lacking as far as being able to accomplish his job to its fullest potential, and then guess what happens? God goes to work. He puts Adam under the first anesthesia that's ever happened. Then he does surgery. And what does he take? A rib. Awesome, right? A lot of science to understand. Not my time. He takes a rib though. Now there's some beauty in this. There's some beauty in this. Now notice the rib. It doesn't come from the feet. Lord wanted you to hear this. It doesn't come from the feet so that he would rule over her. Doesn't come from the head so that she would rule over him, but comes from the side. That they might walk through life together, equally navigating this thing together. But then notice, from under the arm, right, the rib. Why? Because gentlemen, your job is to protect her. But then finally it's close to the heart. Why? Because she is to be loved. Even in this beautiful symbolism of a bone, God creates these things to remind us of that order which he has created has been ordained by him, and it's important. Gentlemen, you need to understand this. God has called you to love her and to protect her. Listen carefully, gentlemen. Sometimes you're slow, and I, I mean, sometimes you don't quite catch it the first time. Ladies, practice there, that's good. You are to love her and to protect her to love her and to protect her. Ladies, listen, if you don't allow him, when you get married, to love you and to protect him, protect you, you are keeping him from being able to do that which God has ordained him to do. 
Gentlemen, you're to love her. In case you were wondering where that comes from, let me read it to you. Husbands, Ephesians 5, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Is that clear? Then, all right, now let's be careful with this one. 1 Peter 3, 7. I could have not gone here, but I'm going to go to Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And all the girls are like, I'm out. What in the world? Why would you even read that? You just took, listen, this is, this is so important. Ladies, please hear me. You are not weak. Men have just been created a bit stronger so that they can protect you. When you read this, a lot of girls are, I can't believe you would say that about me. I am, I am not weak. No, you're not. You are not. But he was just created by God a tad bit stronger so that he can protect you. Not because you are incapable of protecting yourself. That's called the single life, all right? You're not flailing around just barely making it until you get married. You're good. But God says, I've got this plan. I want him to love you and to protect you. And it matters. It matters to me. And it should matter to you. How does he protect you? Listen, be careful here. It's physical, it's spiritual, and it's emotional. First of all, it's physical. Now, I know not every woman that's married to a man is weaker than her husband. I know there are some few exceptions, and that's great. But even in that, all right, if he may not be bigger than her, he can carry a gun, all right? So he will be able to protect you. That is God's plan, physically to protect you and your family. That's his plan. Then it says spiritually. What does scripture tell us? The man should lead his wife. The man should be pursuing the Lord. And ladies, if you trust that he's pursuing the Lord, you will have no worry following whatever he says to do because you know that he's not following his own desires. He's following that which what the Lord has called him to do. And if you find a man like that, you don't even have to worry. Hey, whatever you want, honey. This is what Sarah does. You ready for this? This is great. She says, uh, hey, babe, um, got a big decision. Here's what I think we should do. Just want to lay that out there. But whatever you decide, it's all you. I know you and the Lord will deal with it. See you later. She walks away. Doesn't even worry about it. Why? Because number one, if I get it right, she knows that I did my part by following the Lord and leading us well. And if I get it wrong, she knows the Lord's going to smack me. She's just getting out of the way so she doesn't get hit. All right? That's the reality. This is the picture that God has created. I want you to lead men, and it's the hardest job of the two. So I've created you a little bit stronger so that you can lead her. And then finally, emotionally, and I'll be careful here. In, in a normal situation, ladies tend to be a little bit more emotional than men. Can I say that? Is that fair? That's fair? Okay. So it makes sense. I was going to say it anyway, but I'm glad that I got that response. That was helpful. It's good to know, though, that men sometimes feel like they lack emotion. They don't lack emotion. They just don't respond to it as quickly as the ladies do. By God's design. That when you're flustered, frustrated, trying to figure out why she said that about you at work, he can come and say, babe, I love you. Listen, hey, you know what? I, I think maybe you're, you're tied into this emotion a little too much. Let me help you. Looking at the big picture here, I think maybe you, you were right. She was wrong here, but maybe this could have been done better. And you go, okay, I don't like to hear that maybe I might have been wrong. But thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping me be able to, to calm down and to think through and to look at this logically. 
doesn't mean men don't have emotion, okay? Because then you need counseling. That's a problem. But if you are able to contain your emotion, you're able to lead your family well by not responding to everything. See how this works? Ladies, listen, you are not weak. God just created the man just a tad bit stronger so that he can lead you and he can protect you. And you, ladies, is there any woman in here that doesn't want to feel safe? Don't you want to feel safe? Then find a man that you trust can protect you and you'll never have to worry about that again. This is why when you're dating, it matters what you talk about. It matters what you're seeking after because this is what God desires for you. Here's number three, God's gift to you. Verse 22, continuing in Genesis. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is beautiful. First, watch this. It says, brought to her. He brought the woman to the man. Now, two things we got to know here. This is really cool. First of all, how many of you have been to a wedding before? At a wedding, what happens in a normal situation? Who walks the bride down the aisle? The father, right? Dad. Just like, just like God walked Eve down the aisle to Adam is what we reenact at a wedding as the dad walks hurt his daughter down the aisle to her husband. Beautiful picture. But there's one other thing, and this is really powerful. Watch this, okay? First, you got to note, where did they come from? Where did even God come from? We don't know, but they were together away from Adam. You tracking with this? She spent alone time with God before she stepped into the marriage with Adam. Ladies, listen, we've been talking about this all along and all of you are like, I don't like you keep talking about singleness. I just want to find the one and get married and then we'll deal with all the rest of that later. Listen, it is important all the way in the beginning. God created that Adam would spend time alone with God, that Eve would spend time alone with God, and then they would be brought together. You cannot skip this step or your marriage is going to fall apart, period. It's so important. So God brings Eve down the aisle, and then look what happens. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Adam wrote a song. Something it was poetry, something it was a song. It doesn't matter. He says, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. I don't know how romantic that is. I don't know if it'll crack the top 10, but it is a beautiful picture because what he's saying is, this is my family. All throughout the Old Testament, when bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh was used, it was a reference to say, that is my family. That is my girl. That is my wife. And then it's interesting, he names her. And I don't think it was hard. I think, yeah, of course, she's woman because it was man and then it's her and she came out of man, so woman when it was just man. I don't think that's how it worked out. I think really what happened is she saw Eve, he saw Eve and goes, whoa, man. Oh, that works, right? Woman, let's go with that. Roll with it, right? I'm just kidding. That was fun. That wasn't my joke. Don't worry. If you're sitting next to a guy and he didn't quite get it, just make a note. It's going to take a little bit longer in the dating process, okay? Just helping you out here. We always want to be transparent while we're in church. If you're visiting, I'm sorry. Number four, when two become one. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, stick or adhere to. That's what that translation is. Hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It says first he shall leave his father and his mother. Listen, it is a good thing that you leave your parents and that you get married. You don't have to do it today. 
Don't wait forever. It is a good thing. It's God-ordained. It's God's design. Don't push off marriage as long as you can so you can enjoy the single life. That's being foolish and missing out on what God has in store for you. At the same time, though, don't go get married tomorrow because you heard me say this on the stage tonight. Be slow. Be patient. Follow the things we've been talking about. But remember, this is part of the plan. God's desire would be that you would leave your father and mother and that you would find a wife or you would find a husband and that you would hold tight, hold fast, stick to, adhere to the good times and the bad. We'll come back to that in a minute. Then it says, they shall become one flesh. The act of sex in marriage is the act of two becoming one physically. We talked about this a lot last week. But this is the picture. How do two become one? They become one legally through paperwork and through a wedding. They become physically one through sex, through intimacy. That's the beauty of marriage. This is why it's, it is important. It is vital that you wait until you're married so that you're not becoming one with all these other people throughout your lifespan, then giving your leftovers to the spouse that you're standing in front of. Here's the thing. Once you are married and you become one, If you are to part or to separate, you become weak. Now listen to this carefully. When something is whole and you take away from that which is whole, it is now less strong. It's not as strong. It is missing that which it once had because it's one. We keep thinking of people getting married as still two people. It's not two people. You're one. And so if you get divorced... You are taking away from your own life and from theirs, and you are making them weaker and making yourself weaker. This is God's design. There would be no separation. There would be no divorce. And I know for a lot of you, myself included, you grew up in a home where you watched that unfold, and it's very hard to get a clear picture, a good picture of what a good marriage looks like. But I am telling you tonight, listen, listen to the words of Jesus. I read this a couple weeks ago and somebody had a question, so I promised myself I'd bring this back up. Matthew 19, 3 says this, and the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Sound familiar? Verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, then why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. It was not my plan. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And when I read that a couple weeks ago, a couple of you came up like, man, that's like really harsh. Why would he say that? Here's the thing. It's only harsh because we have allowed culture to shape how we view marriage and how we view divorce. Divorce is not to be some easily accessible or acceptable thing. And the divorce rates in the church, I wish I could tell you they're lower than out in the world. They're not. Sometimes they're even higher. Depends on the year. God has ordained that this would be something you would stick with. This is why you don't get married after dating for one month. Because you don't know who that person is. And in God's economy, whoever you pick, that's who you're stuck with. So pick someone that you enjoy being stuck to. 
I mean, it just, it kind of makes sense. But our culture, I was driving, you've heard this before, this is a long time ago now. I was driving one day and I saw a sign that said 1-800-FREEDOM. And it was a divorce lawyer's ad. That's the kind of culture we're living in. Right? It's, it's just, it's so common, it's normal. Do you know why? I'm gonna help you. Because a lot of people live together before they get married. A lot of people live with a couple of different people before they actually get married to someone. Listen, when you live with someone, you're doing everything that a married person is doing. The only difference is you don't have paperwork. So when you live with someone and then you separated, guess what? You got a divorce. You just didn't have paper trail to follow you. So you did that multiple times and your, your mind, your body, your emotions got comfortable with that idea that, hey, when it, if it doesn't work out, we'll just part ways. It'll be all right. Hopefully there's not kids involved, but even if there's kids involved, it'll be okay. And I'm telling you, that mindset has got to go. And someone in here asked me, why do you keep telling us that divorce is not an option? Because even in the Bible, it says that there are some things that divorce, I don't care about that. I'm not talking to married people. I'm talking to single people that we can help shape and mold and get you ready for a marriage that's successful, that never thinks divorce is an option. That's what I want. So I don't care what they say. I don't care if there are some reasons why divorce could be, for instance, sexual morality. I don't care about all that because if we date well and if we look well and we watch well and we're careful and we're slow and we're strategic, we will find someone that knowing life isn't gonna be perfect, I understand that, but hopefully you will find someone that you can walk through this life together through the good times and the bad and you never have to worry about divorce. You just figure out how to make it work. That's what I want for you. So you're never gonna hear me say, it's okay if it doesn't work out, get a divorce. It's okay if they cheat on you, get a divorce. I'm not gonna say that to you. We talk in private, we can navigate some of those things. But in this room with you, I want you to hear, if you marry someone, you stick with them. And if you're not ready to stick with them, don't marry them. And if you don't think you can stick with anyone, hey, guess what? Maybe God's calling you to be single. I care. I watched this in my home. I watched what it did to me, I watched what it did to my brother, my sister. I watched how it shaped the way I saw people, how I saw girls, how I saw marriage. I watched all of that and I don't want that for you. I don't want it for you. You're in this room, the majority of you are in this room because you're choosing to do something different. This is what everyone else is doing. Get married, have fun, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, no big deal, we'll figure it out. I hope you want to be different, but different comes by doing different things, and it starts with our mindset. This is why being single, super important, doing it right. Before you start dating, asking those tough questions, they're super important. When you're dating, trying to do it right, it's super important. When you're about ready to get engaged, you ask those questions. Don't worry, the couple that just got engaged last week, I asked them before, well, the one that knew. I asked him, did you go through all those things we just talked about? because I can't endorse it if you don't. And he said, yes, many times, because I've been around you a long time. I've asked all these questions before, all right? That's how we got to do it. And then guess what? Now when you're engaged, before you actually seal the deal at the altar, because it's not a contract, it's a what? A covenant. Before you seal that deal, you're going to nail down as many of these things as you can. Now let me pause for one moment and say this. There are, there are many people in the world that have done this, everything we just talked about well, and the person they married did something stupid. Understand, but those are far few exceptions. That's not what we're referring to tonight. When you get married, you make a covenant. This is really powerful. I didn't get to share this last week, so I'm gonna share it with you, and then we'll be done in a minute. 
in the biblical times, when a covenant was made, it was also endorsed by, ready for this? Blood. So starting tonight, we're going to, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> some of you are like, dang, I was with him until that. Now it's over. No, but what they would do in biblical times is uh, they actually, at some points, particularly in the Levitical law, they would actually make a small uh, incision on the, the male hand and on the female hand, and they would put the hands together, and they would, they would tie them up. They would tie them together, and it was the picture of a, a blood covenant because when the, the blood of one comes to the blood of other, they become one. So it was this picture of oneness through the covenant of blood. Here's the next thing, and this is a bit graphic, but it's also really beautiful. In the perfect world of marriage, track with me here, in the perfect world of marriage, by God's design, it would be the picture, okay? We don't do the blood covenant anymore. You're welcome. If you want me to do that at your wedding, it's probably not going to happen. But we have something, we have something even better, something that is carried on through the years that you may not have ever heard before. In God's perfect design, it would be the picture that on the wedding night, the virgin male would enter the virgin female, the husband to the wife, and at that first contact, by both being virgins, there would be blood. That's the picture of the blood covenant that is extended all the way through the years. We've dropped everything else off, but in God's perfect design, when we do this the right way, that's the picture that takes place. All right, now we dealt with last week all the things that can happen in between and all those kinds of things. This is not what we're here for tonight. But what I want you to see is that in God's mind, marriage is not just something you do. It's not just some season. It is a big deal. And it matters to him. And yes, throughout some scripture, God has given some very specific moments where a divorce situation would be acceptable. But you need to hear this and hear it clearly. God hates divorce no matter what. No matter what, God hates divorce. Divorce affects the kids. Many of you in this room, you already know that because you're one of them. It doesn't just affect two people. It affects the entire family. Divorce is also, listen, most of the time, most of the time, it's avoidable. Most of the time, it's avoidable. An affair could have been avoided. Bad decisions when you were dating, not choosing a pit could have been avoided. Selfishness could have been avoided. All, a lot of the things that lead to divorce could have been avoided had some work been done. And I'm just begging you guys to hold on to this tightly because it matters. Here's the last thing, last point. A naked marriage, you're welcome, I'll end with this. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? Because shame is connected to guilt. Guilt is connected to sin or to evil. If, if, I just realized this is a hard picture talk here. When you have evil thoughts, let's put it that way. When you have sexual thoughts, when you have evil thoughts, you feel guilt because of sin. That's why we can't walk around naked anymore, all right? Because it would feel guilty for everyone and really awkward. Do not try that ever, please. But in this moment, there was no sin. There was no guilt. It was God's perfect order and God's perfect design. And it says that they were naked. Now, of course, this is physically, but I want to show you one last thing. Not only were they naked physically, they were naked emotionally and spiritually. When you marry someone, you don't only become one with them physically. You become one with them spiritually and emotionally. You are to not have secrets. When you're married, everything is to be exposed. 
It's, it's the idea of, of really a naked life, that I hold nothing back, I cover nothing from you. Every part of me is made available to you and open to you because you are now one with me. This is, this is monumental problem in our culture and our world today with marriage because we have secrets. Secrets, secrets, secrets. Secrets, secrets, everywhere you go. Do a poll, everyone will tell, oh, we don't have any secrets. And then you ask them in private where no one will know and you'll be shocked at some of the things you would hear. It's unbelievable. Listen, we've got to live in a way that it's open. That's not till you get married, by the way. Not when you're dating someone. That's not what that's about. But when you're married, that's when all the caveats come out. There are no secrets. Secrets are the killers. They are the prime enemy of intimacy. When there are secrets, true intimacy cannot happen. When you share with someone and you open up, what happens? There's this this freeing feeling. You feel released. You feel comfortable because you're able to get something that was hidden on your chest off. That's what marriage should always be like. So are you ready for that? Are you ready to unveil every area of your life? If not, maybe there's some work to be done right now. Are the person you're dating, don't look at them now, it'll get real awkward. The person you're dating, is this the kind of person that you trust to be able to share everything? Are you willing to go there? Because that's what marriage is gonna look like. And if not, maybe you need a little bit more time to navigate through these areas. This is what God's design is. This is what marriage looks like. God's biblical order says this. God, for the single people, your parents, you're welcome, tell mom I said that. And then your school or your career. And the married order, it's God, your spouse, and then when you have kids, your kids. And then your career. Now why is that important? Because part of the reason why so many people get divorced is they get that order out of whack. Either they put their spouse over God and eventually they start to fall apart or maybe even worse, because in general it's the same thing, they take their kids and they put their kids over their spouse. So everything's centered around the kids. Maybe you know some parents like this. Everything's centered around the kids and then guess what? The kids grow up, they go home, we call this empty nesters, then they look at each other and they don't even know who the person is they're sitting next to because they spend all their time investing in their kids. There's nothing left and guess what? More divorces happen in the empty nester stage than any other stage. Why? Because they invested in the kids. We can't do this. So we've got to get the order right now. It's always God first. Always. Right now, it's your parents. You can tell mama, mama, I love you. But when I get married, you're moving down the list. I'm so sorry, but I've been waiting 87 years to say this to you. Hopefully, it's more like 22 or 23. But whatever it is, I'm I'm moving you down the list because now my That's why when you call at Christmas, mom, I love you. But we're going to decide where we go because my spouse has taken that spot in its rightful place. And then when you have kids, listen, you come home to your kids and like, daddy this, daddy that, daddy this, daddy that. No, 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 that's great kids. But first it's me and mama, then it's you. And it sounds at first for some people, they don't like that. Like how would you put the kids second? How dare you? Well, listen, put the kids first and watch how long you last. That's not how it's supposed to be. The couple is stronger together not divided dealing with kids. So this is super important. And you gotta understand this now. It's always gonna be God first. Now let's end with this. This is fun. So I was thinking about, I promise I'm done after this. I think I said that 10 times. This is why I have a good wife because she's like, you already said that, it's time to wrap it up. But she's not here because she's home with the kids. So it's all your fault. Anyways, all right. 
So I was thinking about that bus, that bus driver days and my elementary days because it was so long ago and all of a sudden memories are flowing back. And there was this moment that took place that I just want to share with you because I like to embarrass myself sometimes, not often, but sometimes. And so here's what happened. I, was, uh, I had moved up to fifth grade. I made it. It took a long time, a lot of extra work, but I made it. I'm in fifth grade and I get the pass because when you get to fifth grade, you're old enough to have the pass to go to the restroom by yourself, right? Great moment. And so I go to the restroom and I open up the door. Okay, don't worry, it's not gonna be graphic, I promise. I open up the door, and it's like this amazing tunnel opens. And all I see was an empty bathroom, there was no one in it. I saw about 15 feet in front of me, and then this wall that was just calling my name. And it was like in a movie when you see a ninja, and he's like gonna run off the wall and then jump off and like kick someone, right? Knock him out, save the day, right? And I just, I don't know what happened, it's something took over me, and I was like, I want to be a ninja. And so I open this door, I see this tunnel, and I'm just, this is my moment. No one's ever going to know, but this is going to be the moment. And I start running full speed with every intention to jump off of that wall. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to do like a backflip. I don't even know, but I'll figure it out in the air. And I'm going, and I get halfway through. And what I didn't see was one of those toilets was overflowing, and that whole ground was covered in water. And I went about halfway, and I planted that foot to get ready for the jump, and I went like that. And I landed flat on my back. Now, not only was I embarrassed, even though no one saw, in fact, not many people knew that till you, I don't know why I did that, but I'm sitting on my back, and as I'm sitting on my back trying to figure out what happened, I realize that I am now wet all over. And then it dawns on me that I've got one more class, and then I gotta get on the bus, which was once cool, but now I want mama, and I just wanna get home. And I'm telling you, it was the worst afternoon of my life. Now, I say that because it's a fun way to embarrass me, but let me tell you something. I'm begging of you that over these last few weeks, you would have been paying attention. Because as goofy as that sounds, that's what a lot of people look like when they run into marriage. Because they didn't take time to look around, to pay attention to the warning signs, and all they saw was, this looks good. We'll figure out all the other things later. Let's go for it. And I'm telling you guys, this is too important. Your life, your calling, your purpose is too important. Don't risk it like that. Let's be wise. Let's be slow. Let's be careful. So that way when you do say I do, you can say it with your whole heart. You have nothing to worry about. And you can step into marriage knowing it's not going to be perfect. But man, it's going to be better because you have now a counterpart to do life with. It's going to be amazing. That's what I hope for you. We're so thankful that you took the time to tune in and worship with us. We truly want to be a ministry that prays for you, so here's how you can help us do that. Please go to www.tinyurl.com backslash ugprayers. That's www.tinyurl.com backslash ugprayers. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.